100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On this week's episode, this is part two of the episode with Johnny Stewart, Mason Martonic, and my dad, Joe Martonic. So in, in this episode, if you haven't went back, listen to the other one I released a few days ago uh, that is kind of the beginning of the conversation and found a good transition point here as we focused more on November and the rut. So the, the second part of this is going to be focused about the pre-rut, rut time frame still, but specific topics include favorite dates to hunt during the rut, looking at this year specifically with the moon phases, uh, weather, all those different things. So going through that, uh, barren does versus some of the doe groups, perfect rut hunting setups, uh, doe groups versus funnels, logging cuts, and then also one thing that each of these individuals went through to think that if they could give you one piece of advice, what would make you um, a better hunter, more successful during the rut with that one piece of advice. So uh, split up this episode, like I said, into two parts and uh, just felt like uh, over two hours is tough to be able to get through. So I figured by splitting it up would be easier to be able to consume. Uh, so I, I really, really enjoyed these episodes with these guys. I hope that you find it valuable. And uh, as this is coming out here, it's it's go time, man. It's it's time to to get after it in the deer woods. So as always, good luck to everybody. And um, if you like the podcast, please give it a rating and review wherever you listen to it at. Share it with your friends. You have no idea how much that helps out. So greatly appreciate it. And uh, good luck. We'll talk to you soon. What about though? All right, so let's 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 shift a little bit. Let's shift to November. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna start with Mason. What What are your favorite dates to hunt? I. That's an easy one, Mason. Just man, I, I to me, I I just what whatever the weather is telling me. I I just like cold mornings, and if it's cold all day, even better. But to me, it, it the dates don't matter as much. If it's Sunny, November, rain, snow. But there's there's a date that you start to target. No, just all weather. When are you get off yeah, work? It's, it's like tomorrow morning. I mean, no, I like like morning. The, the last couple of days of October, yeah, November first. I, I, I feel like After I see that. see see more chasing like the first to the the seventh in this area, and then sometimes it seems like like between the the sixth and the tenth, eleventh. Sometimes you can you can get periods where you don't see much of anything going on Lock, like it's locked down yeah and i i kind of struggle f- with finding the action there sometimes and uh then the the last few days of the season i i seem to i kind of like those days too yeah it's usually bitter cold kind of you're, you're sitting there questioning questioning your whole life what are you, what are you doing here but it yeah it's, at that point you've already like exhausted like all your vacation days, you're like you've already sat dark to dark many times, and you're just like, I I, I know nothing about deer. Deer yeah. aren't real. I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we got to tie it back to the the whole your your survey too, with nobody having confidence in what they're doing. Is like, I guess just do what you have confidence and just keep you in the mental game. Is is what I. Is yeah, what and you don't, and you won't ever get confidence without having experience. So like you have to throw things at it, and sometimes it's not going to work out. You might have years that and no one likes to hear that, but sometimes it, <laughs> I've screwed it up many times where I've had times where even after years of experience, I try something, and like when Justin was here filming for the long haul film, 
I had a spot that I thought was going to be really good. We sat there for four days and I saw one buck, not yeah. another deer the entire time. And, and during, during the rut, I mean, who, who knows? Any, anything can happen. Right. They, I've, I've seen big bucks in really weird spots. You, I, I would never think to go hunt. Right. Yeah. So it's like, just, just go with what you have confidence and, uh, yeah, just keep yourself in the mental game. Dad, what are your dates? Uh, I'd say from the 28th on, uh, between the 20th. <laughs> Every day in the rut. <laughs> November 28th? October 28th. He's talking November. Well, no. And, yeah, Did you start, say November? When, yeah, no. Did, but the rut. Yeah, rut, yeah. I, I start end of October, John. Some of us aren't slackers, John. <laughs> I don't wait till like November first, like you do. Yeah, I'm a slacker. No, November fourteenth, like you. <laughs> yeah, fourteenth. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that the best to me, the best uh, dates are the twenty eighth through to maybe like the seventh, eighth. Now the full moon this year, I know some people discard that as a, an influencer. It, it bring, the full moon brings the cold weather, though, too. It does. Um, I think it depends on whether it's overcast during the full moon or not. I think it messes with their photo senses, and it, it shuts the rut down sometimes. Um, just my opinion. But So I don't know. I mean, the full moon's the 8th this year. But I think, I think to me, the best dates are going to be like from the 28th to the 5th is when I hope to have one killed by then. If I don't, then hopefully I'm wrong about the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'll just take a few days and go back to work and then hunt it afterwards. Yeah, it's just the later in the season, the the more stressful it gets too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I hope that you're right because I haven't said on the podcast yet, but I'll be going, which it don't matter because I'm still going to be hunting, but I'm going to be in Alberta. Yeah. Again, from November 6th through like the 13th or whatever, which is my favorite time to hunt in Pennsylvania. Nice. And again, John, you look at me like, oh, poor you, you know, you get to go to Alberta during that time. But I love Pennsylvania yeah, during right. those dates. Like that, that's if I, I'm just going to jump to me on this. Yeah, yeah. Like I like November the 6th, 7th yep. through like the 12th. Like those are my dates. I think... What Mason said about you have the periods of kind of like lockdown slow type periods. Those definitely happen, but I think the biggest deer are going to move then. Actually, I think the biggest deer that I've ever had on camera, November 15th, 16th, 17th, those time frames, but it's ridiculously slow, I feel like. But you have like, that's when the old seven, eight year old bucks that are your dream bucks of your lifetime are just out for cruises at like noon. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's just again, that's my experience and what what I think. It's really hard to at that point to to make it through that <laughs> that mental grind. But like that that's what's killing me because of one buck that I'm hunting. He's I think November fourteenth or fifteenth are when I would have the best chance of killing that deer or or Halloween because two years ago is when I had the encounter with him October thirtieth, which is a Sunday this year, but. There was a doe group that in this area, two years in a row, they went into heat at that time because one, I had personal experience. Second year I had cameras. I didn't see any bucks, but I saw does running through the camera. It's like, okay, they're getting mm-hmm. chased. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, I, I, I 
personally, I like, I've actually never killed a deer, um, anywhere from the October 28th to 31st. I've had opportunities that I've either screwed up or not able to, I think that's a really good time. And then that November, you know, 7th to 12th is like what I would choose personally. What about you, John? Well, first thing I want to say, Bo, since I'm such a bro of yours, buddy, I mean, when you're out there in old Alberta and, you know, you got that spot where that shooter's going to be chasing him, doe, maybe I'll sit in your stand for you, keep an eye on I do owe you one. I, I think the father-son role reversal is going to start happening now. I've, or given, if, I've given you opportunities. You have. You have. I offer, listen, I have a pretty good spot. I didn't offer to you, John. I apologize. But I said, I said. I said, Dad. I said, you want to? He came in there once, chat hunt with me. I said, you want to run some cameras here, hunt it with me. I I need some help. You know, I need some I need some extra people in here to to try to hunt these deer. I said, obviously, I'm not. You know, I haven't killed a buck in that area since 2017. I was like, I I think uh, I think I could use some help, and he's not he's not jumping on it. So I'm, I might have yeah, to push that off. Of it's the same area that I was going to sell you the information to. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good spot for you, John. Yeah, right? I got Don't a good spot. going to cost you a little bit, John. John, if I thought I had a, a spot better than any of your spots to offer up, you, you're welcome to go to any of my spots <laughs> at any time. Yeah. You you know that. Anyways, about the dates. <laughs> I didn't ask you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You did ask me. Did I? All right. But yeah, um, let me know when you're going to Alberta. Give me your, all your pins. You know what I mean? And give me all as much info as you can. Yeah, and I'll keep an eye on them spots. Yeah, me and Joe, maybe Mason. Them. Make sure the bucks are doing what they need. Yeah, but anyways, I think uh, my last uh, few years, like fourth through the seventh, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I feel like it's like peaking as far as not like, you know, you look at maybe the does and heat might be about the tenth, eleventh, or something. But I feel like, excuse me, that's right on the fringe right there when everything's going nuts. Yeah. I know last year every camera I had was. There's deep bucks on them. I like them when they're searching better than when they're, you know, when the does are actually in heat. Because then I feel like you have more lockdown type, you know, like looking like that fourth through seventh, like you're talking about there. That's a good time for them to be kind. You're of right. Searching. Yeah, it's like right there. Everything's like, and then when you get a bunch of does in heat, um, then it's like, you know, and then uh, one question I got from like maybe Joe is like like something like you look at or you guys doe bedding areas. How about like like barren does, like does that are, you know there's some old ass oh, does yeah. out there. I mean, <laughs> do you? I mean, how do you deal with that? You know what I mean? But is it just you think they still are with the rest of the herd, so it's a good spot to hunt in general because there's does there, or do you think there's like these old ass girls out there that they're just going on their own? I think not, I think they're pushed out on their own. Yeah, and so like you I might be that, hunting does. That, that one doe they've been filming at Coflop year. Yeah. Um, what was it? 14, 13 and a half, 14 and a half years. I didn't get them this year or didn't get her this year, but I, I didn't, memory both I didn't to throw the camera. I didn't get my camera in there until middle of June this year. It's, it's, it's a spot. I usually run a camera year round, but I had camera trouble. I pulled it back in February, March, and I never got a camera back in there until June. But prior to that, I always picked her up middle of May towards the middle of June. And then she would disappear. And I think something happened to her, you know, especially when she started getting seven, eight years old. But the next year, running the camera, and I, and I hunted that area, and I never would see, I never had laid eyes on her. 
I never have. It's just the camera shows me. She has an inverted ear, and it's been since birth. I mean, when she was a yearling, I had her. And uh, But she always, when she got, after she started without fawns, um, she'd only appear by herself. She would never be with other doe groups. Mm-hmm. You know, where you might see two or three other does together. She was never part of Board it. She girl. would always show up on that camera by herself. You know, after maybe she was seven or eight years old. Before that, she was with doe groups. But after that, it was she was always by herself. Poor girl. No. Nope. She got kicked out. Kind of like you, John. People kicked you out of their groups a long time ago. But yeah, well, I can't blame them. Got to shoot uh, shoot the bucks. You looking for a they, group, John, to join? I'm going to join Joe's group. Me and Joe's going to kill all the bucks and everybody kick us out because yeah. we'll kill all the bucks. <laughs> Maybe. You're only allowed one. After another. <laughs> I got all these states I'm going to hunt I'm going to just drop them alright that's a good mentality you have I'm going to start tomorrow morning you guys are going to be about but uh, no I, I do believe that barren does will get pushed out of the doe group um, I could be wrong on that it's just from that I know in general you're like oh does are here look at that big doe but maybe you're hunting like for bucks to come maybe you're hunting a doe that's like no buck wants her because yeah. she's done you know Especially up here, I know, like that doe he shot up here tonight. Boy, that was an old girl. I should have looked at the teeth, but I bet, you know, and I'm sure they're up here like what you saw. You know. Yeah, 13, 14 years old. I um, mean, yeah, I know it was on uh, Kip's property, which you guys have all been on. Obviously, it's a giant chunk of private, but it was one that was tagged in 2012 that Kip's brother, Kobe, shot last year in rifle season. I got to see that thing was ragged looking. Yeah, and it was, it was, had still had the tag on it from when they tagged it way back. Get out. That long. That was a <clears throat> Nine 13, years. 14 year old doe, you know, because it, it, it was tagged as an adult doe at that point. Wow. Um, and the biologist that had tagged it was there and was, you know, confirmed it. And it was just, you know, crazy that she's all alone just kind of just not looking good that's pretty amazing though like i mean we everybody talks about bucks but does are half the battle too you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so it's probably more important that you see these does but then again during the rut you'll see a single doe because maybe the fawns are run off but you know i guess i think when you're looking for does and a place to hunt doe beddings is maybe with fawns and like healthier you know does that maybe produce you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. Do you uh do you guys do you guys like to hunt like a specific doe bedding? Are you trying to be in like in between a bunch or just like a travel corridor knowing that there's probably doe bedding around? What let's let's actually start Mason with that one. Like do you do you focus on like when you're looking at like your rut setups, are you looking at doe bedding at all or are you just trying to find funnels or what? And I'd, I'd say all all of the above. <laughs> really. Uh time of year I I don't know. Man, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd say all, all the above can be good, right? During the rut, you don't, to me, I, I don't know what's, you don't know what a buck's going to do on a given day. It's, sometimes I, I like to sit all over the doves, like you said, find a doe, find a doe group. And you can kind of, you can, doe groups are more consistent. It, it seems like if you're not buggering them up, they're going to be there day in, day out for the most part. Uh, I So I, I would consider like a doe group like a destination spot. And then there there could be other spots that I'd consider destination spots where a buck's going to want to go check on. And sometimes I'd try and find a funnel where it's like if he's going from one 
destination spot to another destination spot or or from a couple to another couple it's like where's he gonna have to walk through right i try and find those spots and set up too if it's during the rut uh if it's before the rut like between now and the end of october i i don't know i i guess i don't i don't have a good strategy i I just i just try and get get close to scrapes and funnels places I, i just feel confident in yeah I wouldn't say I'm right on the does between now and the end of October, but during the the rut, I'm either right on the does or places I think they're going to run through to get from doe group to doe, doe group. Yeah. I, I'd, to, I'd say the exact same thing. Like I, I think for the most part, I don't hunt on a specific doe group. I do like if I know, or I have an idea from historical stuff, like if a doe group comes in, like, okay, bucks were chasing a doe around this area at that time. I'll log that data and I'll, I might want to go back to the same time next year because there's a good chance that she comes in to heat that same time. But then as I get in the rut, I want to be in those travel areas where they're trying to find those, you know, they're, I'm in that, that spot in between. And, and sometimes I don't know, like, I don't always have like, oh, there's a doe group bedded here, there's a doe group bedded here, there's a doe group bedded here. A lot of times you find those funnels, like there's going to be does somewhere around. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, obviously if there's deer sign that there's going to be does somewhere there, you don't have to know exactly where they're at all the time, in my opinion. Yeah, they're, they're ming- the does are mingling too. They're not just hanging out one, one yeah. little spot. They're, they're getting around. But there is like, I, I know of a situation where, uh, I don't know, it's probably five years ago now, but there's a spot they liked in these blowdowns that they would bed in. And I always like was in between where there was a doe group that would bed out in these hemlocks. And then, you know, six, 700 yards down, there was a doe group that bed in these blowdowns. I always sat in the middle of them, but then I was like, okay, I remember going in and I was just kind of scouting because I wasn't having good luck. And I was just scouting through and I was like, there's does in these blowdowns all the time. It just smelled like just deer and i'm like i then i set up right on the edge of it and i had an encounter i didn't get a shot or anything at at a buck but i had a great encounter there at that point i focused on that doe group um because it just seemed like a, a spot or um looking at cameras uh this is something that you and i have talked about quite a bit dad where if you have a camera where whether you check it that morning or if it's a cell camera but if a doe beds down in the scrape or around the scrape, she's probably hot. Or even hits the scrape. Or that, even you can tell just from her mannerism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you say you can tell by the mannerism, what do you mean? Well, hitting the scrape and just kind of hanging around and hitting it multiple times. Yeah. It, it's not like it hits and leaves. Yeah, because they're hits looking it, for She stays too. around. Yeah, she's hanging around that scrape and bedded by the scrape in, in the background or whatever. But, yeah, for sure. I see that. I'm like, well, I that could be there. Yeah, yeah, that that doe the other night to hit that scrape. Uh, me and you put out like the summertime. Does like not one buck hit it. There was a doe group living there or whatever, and they'd hit it, and then it kind of dried up as far as like I would catch does just let me like, end of September October. <clears throat> you know when the daylight started getting mm-hmm. shorter, they didn't hit the scrape, and then the other night she actually hit the scrape, and that's when seven bucks were there. So it's like. That might be that first doe out of the, you know, that mm-hmm. might be, that's where I said the one come in the 25th there, or was right there, right on the the, the fringes there last year. Maybe that's her. So I'm, I'm, and then a lot of scrapes are popping up in that area and rubs daily. I walk just right, right close to the road. I'm like, 
you know, you got all these different bucks here, and, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're smelling, you know, they, they live by their nose. They might travel a mile or two at night just to see sure. where that first one is, and it's like, so I'm just going to stick with that area. But as far as the doe, like doe groups and where to bed, I feel like in the past, all the time I put in the woods, whether it's spring, summer, fall, put make a mental note of where you're jumping does, where you push does. Yeah. Because basically a buck's going to do the same thing. Where do I see does? Where, where, you know, so kind of put yourself in his shoes and be like, and a lot of areas, it depends on t- top of like a lot of areas I'm hunting are kind of like flat and gradual to where it isn't that uh, funnel and it's big woods. We're talking about big woods areas where it's like, he's here. Um, he might, he's not going to, he's just like in his mind, I want to go to that dose. So you don't know where he is to to access those does you know what i mean there's not much of a funnel it's just kind of like so get a little tighter to where them does live and like joe said they're kind of like uh feed and bed all in the same area it's not like they're traveling yeah they do travel but with that like the matriarch they just kind of stay around and hang around this one maybe half mile or you know even less than that but um if you you know you're in the woods and you dump jump does whether it's far you know and you see them beds it's just put that mental note in there and just get kind of downwind or close to that because i feel like you know various terrain that maybe there is a funnel to get to him but in the most part there might not and he's just going to beeline to that 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 downwind side of that area yeah definitely definitely going to work the downwind side of it wind side of it and and, and i think the, the doe bedding varies um have you ever wanted to have levi morgan andy may johnny stewart and others available at all times well, you can with Cyber Scout from Spartan Forge. Cyber Scout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. Cyber Scout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Throughout the, the year, based on food availability, uh, especially in the fall, you know, when the mushrooms start popping, they may be constant, you know, maybe into more in the beach brush or the the, the old logging cuts with the stumps because there's mushrooms in there and the, and good browse, um, or like when the black cherry were dropping earlier, your your doe bedding were you know they bed cl- close to their food source as long as they're not pressured. Um, when you don't have the the mass crops or the apples uh, and you just have browse, that kind of makes it easier because where you do see these doe groups. They tend to stay in, the, yeah, in that area. They're 100%. not going to move so much to the food source because they have the, they have the browse food. I mean, they're always going to have that. 
It's just if they have an overpowering food that's available to them in the area, they may gravitate towards that, and that bill bedding may shift on you. Uh, but the scrapes, I still think, in my opinion, the scrapes are, you know, especially the community scrapes, they're built there for a reason because that is a, a, a community area for the deer. Them does are bedded in that area. They come through there periodically. Um, I mean, that's why that scrape's there. And I think that's why that's that's more of a money where some of these other, you know, the testosterone-driven scrapes, some of them may just be a food source-driven scrape where the, the does are hanging around this, you know, the black cherry or the oaks and uh, a buck comes through and hits a scrape just to let them know, hey, I'm here and, you know, yeah. let me know who's who, who else is here. Well, and, and, and I think, like, one thing that, that I've also noticed, and this really works in, like, steeper country, but, like, where you have, say, does bed in their they're beelining, say, up or down ridge to a food source. Those bucks will move, you know, perpendicular to them so they can cut those trails yeah. yes. and cut the, the scent. Yes. So if you're finding, like, heavy trails that are running, say, north to south, just for discussion standpoint, north to south, a lot of times those bucks will run east to west or some variation of that to cross those trails mm -hmm. and check as they're cruising during the, during the rut. So that's one thing I'll pay attention to, like, Heavy trails, you know, a lot of times heavy trails are does, you know, mm -hmm. that, are, that are doing that. And if you find those faint trails that are, you know, going perpendicular, sometimes they're not even on a trail. But the fact that, you know, that's the way that they're going to want to run, mm -hmm. um, that's something I've noticed in steeper country more so than flatter big woods. But listening to you guys talk more made me think more about the original question, too, is as far as are you sitting... Uh, on does or, or funnels too where i think early november I'm, I'm leaning more towards trying to find where the where the does are and just getting in that area and hoping a buck chases a, a doe by me right where the the last week of the season of november if i haven't filled my tag yet i'm i'm probably sitting in a funnel trying to catch a buck moving from one area to the next just trying to find a doe that's left at that point yeah <laughs> just looking for that midday zombie walker oh those are great yeah, yeah. because that time of the year, if they're locked down or, or have a doe that they're chasing, they're pushing them, they're pushing yeah. them in secluded areas so yeah. they don't get bothered. I mean, you find a, a, a buck locked down on a doe in, in odd areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because they're pushing them away. They don't want any competition. They're getting away from the other bucks. Um, then when they're, you know, done breeding hers, you're trying to get in those transition zones where they're, Okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm gonna go find another doe group, yep. and that's where those funnels are money. You know, when setting up on uh, uh, that type of pattern, right? And I like talking about all this, and then like what I witnessed, how that doe hit the scrape, and them seven bucks were there. Then all of a sudden, another buck showed up and made a scrape tw twenty yards from there, and that that tells me that, like in my opinion, that's like he's the man. You know, he's like, I ain't messing with that scrape. Because last year, there was a monster buck in there. I hadn't seen him yet. But he didn't show up last year till like, now. So he might be like, um, you know, he was downwind and made his own scrape. Like, and, and just telling that doe, like, come hit my scrape. You know, like, I'm here. Because I feel right. like a lot like a lot of these mature doe, she know he, he's around. Or thinks, and, and you know. And she, you know, they try to, I think, get together to strong survive. Like the, the doe is ready. She wants the best buck, you know. So it's like, 
stuff like that plays in my mind. Like, you know, like she, he made a scrape downwind. It's like, you, you, you know, here's where I'm at. I'm over here. You come to me, you know, like type of thing. Like, you know, so. Right. But a lot of that is like intriguing to me, you know, not just, I got it on that community scrape. And, and all, the set out of them seven bucks, they were two and three year olds. Not that, you know, not the big one. Yeah. You know, and I got one good one, probably a good four-year-old. He never hit the scrape. I know he's in the area, and then maybe he's the one that made that scrape to the side, or the one that was there last year, you know, came in. So it's like, I should get a camera on that, but it's just like, if that's the first doe, and he kind of, he's like, he's putting, he's like putting his sign down over here, because like, I'm not them, and, and like, I'm other, I'm, I'm going to make my own scrape, and you just, so you could say, you know, and then she'll probably start hanging around, you know, like. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, a study I just heard on a podcast where they had a they had three cages all on the line. And they had a buck on each on each end and a doe in the middle. And there's a young buck on one end and an older buck on the on another end. Right, so doe in the middle, buck on each end, different ages. They 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 screwed or somehow they fastened a large set of antlers to the younger buck and a smaller set of antlers to the older buck. Right, so they, they cut their antlers off, and he essentially switched them, or made the made the younger buck have the bigger antlers, and the doe. Is this yeah. humane? And I, I, don't <laughs> I, I don't know. Were you I, dreaming this? Out of the Mason? question. So, so they they had they had a GPS collar on the doe, and the the doe spent, and they they switched them back and forth. The doe spent more time next to the next to the fence where the buck had the larger antlers. Visually. Kind of like if Bo and I go out to the bar, the girls spend more time around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. But it's kind of it's kind of interesting though. Like like you said, like is it is a doe going to go hit the the bigger buck scrapes? I I do believe like the, the older does sense. that have been around and they they want that mature deer. You know what I mean? Like she hit that scrape. That's the only thing around. Yeah. But what if you're a mature deer with little scrubby antlers? So like like you, you're mature, but. Little scrubby, little scrubby, little little stump, I think what stubby. John, what John I think he's trying to say though is most of the time the more mature deer have. The I think like the strong survive. Like yeah. it's, it's it's made to be that way to where the doe, the, the big doe's ready, healthy, ready to breed early. It's like <laughs> the, the big guy's going to get her. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like that's how it's supposed to be. But then you talk about the antlers, but does scent come into play too? Like I to me, my opinion, that older buck smells different than that young buck, right? Not just I mean she's just going off visual. But, uh, you know, that I, I would say, like, it's a smell thing, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I guess I don't know as far as <laughs> how they how they determine that. But I'm sure there's, like, like you said, the, between the visual and the scent, and, like, they know uh, those, those certain deer. Like, you know, Dad, your buck last year, that deer didn't have to go anywhere. Like, he never left from the time October went to the rut. He didn't have to go looking for does. They came to him. No, yeah. and I, I've been doing a lot of thinking since then. You know, for that age class of a buck, you know, is that the norm? Do they, are they kind of, they're I guess, the king. You know, going through, yeah, going through the whole life cycle, you know, you, you know, you get the year and a half, two and a half, so they're being driven away by their mother. I mean, they're, they, because they don't want inbreeding. So they're getting pushed out. Well, they get pushed out and they go, you know, a mile away, two miles away. Well, they get run out by a bigger buck, you know, so they're getting bounced around. Mm-hmm. Until they became become old enough and large enough to fight, and once they establish their own doe group, is that where they end up staying? Mm-hmm. 
you know, they might wander some. I, I and I think they're like people. You get some people that don't exactly. leave an area. That's what always, yeah. And other people that just want to travel. So I think it's not the rule, but I think it's. I I I, I don't know. I I've been thinking I, a lot about. I, it I, I do too. And like it's just the, what ha- what I, what I just talked about. And and like I'm thinking about what made that scrape because I mean, last year it was a buck. It was a tele- rubbing telephone poles. Yeah. And his his brows were this far apart. And he didn't have a lot of times, but he was like this. Like I'm like, and, and I'm sure he was a six eight year well, old. How many cameras did you have in there? Well, last year I uh, I just put two in there because I found the telephone pole. Room, okay, you know, and then now I got my cameras all through there. Yeah, and on that scrape, I got three four, and I got a good one forty. And but I remember the reason I put the camera is that they started rubbing that telephone pole, and then all them rubs showed up like, like right now, like. I remember because I, I was working on camp. I didn't hunt, but I drove up that road once in a while. I'm like, yeah. Look, and, and, and when he says out. a telephone pole, he means a real telephone pole, not just yeah, a tree legit. That's a tel- yeah, an actual well, telephone pole. An actual yeah. telephone pole. I remember you showed me it. Yeah, and then all these rubs popped up, but they didn't pop up till like, you know, like right now, the 20th, 20, you know. Don't you have to go back to work anytime soon? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll keep an eye on that telephone pole. I'll hunt in your spot. You hunt in mine. <laughs> <laughs> I trade. <laughs> you're always com- you're always more confident in the other person's spot than yeah. your own. But yeah. yeah, so it's like maybe this buck, and I do believe a lot of these bucks when they get seven, eight years old, them are the ones that they disappear during the gun season or whenever bow season's over. And guess what? Them are the first ones you find next year because they got a down pad how to survive. So I feel like that buck. I'm anxious to see if he's he's back there again. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's what Tommy showed up last year, and, yeah. and you know, like she's the three, like she she hit that scrape, the community scrape. That's the only one there, and then you know, all these bucks came. The two nights, seven bucks were there, maybe 135, 138, and like, but I just feel like where's the big guy? You know, and I got a 140 that never hit that scrape, an eight for Do you a one. Think he might be there, and just not hitting the scrape, and just that's what I think. Cause them rubs, that's what I mean. The rubs showed up last year at this time, right? And yeah. here I went today, and I, this new scrape showed up. I'm like, it's about time. You know what I mean? Because they were he was running a doe there on the 25th last year. So I'm like, and I had cameras scattered all over. I just feel like I never got all summer in there and I didn't get nothing worth shooting two three-year-olds you know bucks and, and all these does it's just like I just feel like some of these areas that I hunt these old bucks are just out in the forest like not even a lot of these cuts I'm finding like in my area there's a three four-year-old deer bucks not the old ones I feel like and then when I was allowed to run mineral licks the, the big ones that were there that they wouldn't even hit the mineral lick. I just feel like they're so other that they don't belong with the rest of the herd and they're just well, out I think the they force definitely somewhere. go out off by themselves yeah and spend the summer and i do yeah until breeding yeah. season then they they move because i've been hitting clear cuts show hard. who's boss i've been hitting clear cuts hard since we can't do the licks anymore and i'm getting three four-year-olds all my like and these these clear cuts are accessible and there's a lot of deer there but i'm I'm finding the doe groups and the three or four year olds in my area it's not i'm not talking about clear cuts that are back in the woods three miles you know what i mean right. gated road i'm talking about yeah you're talking about your areas that are like 40 50 yards off the road where you can walk to yeah and then i'm, I'm like it's very easy <laughs> but, but what i'm saying is like yeah when, and when i'm when i come up here i don't have the time to go back in the woods so i'm running uh, clear cuts that's where all the browsers so i'm hitting these clear cuts and i'm not getting a mature deer you know, I, I know I know they'll be there like yeah, when the when the ruts on, but I mean like, 
it's just a weird situation because everybody talks about clear cuts and how the food is there, but then you got to talk about the situation to where, like, is it accessible? Is it is there a lot of young deer there? Is it a high deer population? Most of the times, them five, six, eight year old deer, they don't even they they'll get their brows way out in the forest somewhere, and not even come into that spot or a secluded cut. You know what I mean? I'm I'm seeing that in my areas because I know a lot of people in different areas that maybe. Uh, run a lot of cameras and cuts. They're like, oh, I got the big bucks in there, but where is your cut? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it. Maybe there's and, it, and that is a hard thing about. And, and then cuts. how many cuts are there? So if you only got four or five cuts there, and I got a power does running it, and yearlings and 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 two year olds, three year olds, I feel like my my big old bucks that I I catch there in, in November, they don't even fuck. They don't even mess with it. They're just like they just don't want to be around that that uh, atmosphere with them them deer them them does and them, them younger deer but but then because everybody just talks about cuts you know you got a area that maybe there's a lot of cuts then well i guess you're going to see them because that's the only areas around but well, you know and that's where that's where cuts can be uh um can be a problem too because they they're usually have a road to them that's because they have yeah. to get the log you know they have to get the skitters and they got to get the trucks and you know there's always a road that gets to them now every once in a while you can find one that's pretty remote but for the most part they're a lot of times near roads and that yeah makes it difficult for hunter access you add pressure to it so mature bucking can deal with that and it, it makes you kind of become a little more selective with that i called you tonight about a, a cut i run a camera in this cut this summer and i got some 140s well here the gate for some reason is closed um the forestry or whatever cut it closed it and I called Bo. I said, well, I got this cut. I pulled my camera in September because the road goes right through to cut, you know, and it's like, and I've seen another camera where I'm like, this is going to suck October. We're going to be dry guys driving up and down a road, muzzle yeah. loader, you know what I mean? And, and uh, across the road from that cut is just pretty vast hemlocks. And I'm like, they're not going to, they're going to be nocturnal. So anyways, I pulled my camera in September or so. And then here they gated the road, the force service gated the road because i guess they were working in there or something mm -hmm. so i called by so what get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. You know, what do you think? Should I, should I pedal bike back there? Because no one's been back there now that the, the the gates are closed there's no traffic would there be daylight activity in that cut i mean it's like it's a question that you know i'm not sure well, about. you didn't listen to me i told you yes and then you said i'm gonna go sit this spot next to the road 
You did tell me, yeah, it would be good. <laughs> you called me for my advice, and then you didn't want it. I know. I took your advice. <laughs> With a grain of salt. <laughs> no, you did. You said, you said. well, I told you along, the, here's how I took it. I told you along this road, I got a lot of scrapes. And you said, well, they're going to be opening up scrapes. Because I didn't say anything about scrapes back in the cut because I haven't been here in September. They're going to start opening up scrapes. So I took it as hunt the scrapes by the road. I said, well, I'm going to go hunt by the road. Because you, you, you said, I think they're after the rain. Yeah. And, I I feel like you're in a, and I know there was a bunch of scrapes in this spot, you know, where that doe and that. I said, well, they're going to be opening up scrapes. So I'm going to hunt that spot. That's how I took it. Let's be honest. Let's be and, straightforward and, and, about it. You took his, his opinion crumpled it up and threw it in the fire put it in the the suggestion Waste. box <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's like that's like the the then another thing i just, box at work you know it's like just, give your suggestions put it in here for things to improve and then that never gets looked at but that's what I, that's how i took it <laughs> fair enough yeah that's yeah. fine yeah see what i do next time that was your good you gave me the info and i, and I ran with it yep and I was 150 yards from the road, and we had this podcast to do and beer to drink. So I just kind of, instead of pedaling the bike, back <laughs> 30 minutes. And go hey, wait. at least you got out tonight. Exactly. Yeah, we none of us did. So I give you credit. Just just mess with you. Give me credit. <laughs> I give you credit for not seeing anything tonight. I even left a little early. Did you? I did. I had beer to drink tonight. I actually told uh, my dad, drag, I yeah. said, I said, John says he's going to be there at seven. I said, he's like, all right, we'll leave at 640. I said, we'll leave at seven. I said, he's <laughs> yeah. going to be late. Like, there's no doubt. But no, you're, you're. I was early and I got here and then they, yeah, yeah I'll just go get my dough. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. Last, last thing I just want to say is, all right, one, one piece of advice you give anybody for, hunting the rut they're taking their rutcation what what would it be john um advice um one thing that you if you could tell somebody to hunt the rut like <laughs> november <laughs> how how are they going to get through it like the, the mental thing like the 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 spot like what what is something that you're like one thing that they could do to help better their odds I think I think the biggest thing is be, especially during a rut, be mentally optimistic because it's the rut and stuff can happen anytime and just stay there and stick with it. And everybody's, I think humans are pessimists by nature and it's easy to say, it's cold out here, I ain't seen no deer and you want to go home. But if you really, and it comes back to how bad you want it, but be optimistic and you know, it's the rut and something could happen anytime and there's deer around and does and um I'm out and I'm alive and just hunt. Yep. I like it. Dad? I'd say play the cards you're dealt with. You're dealt a hand, play it, play it out, put the time in like Johnny says. You know, don't cut it short because anything can happen at any time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of want to piggyback on what these guys said is uh, time, the more time you spend, the better the better odds you have. And, and uh, 
yeah, I guess, I guess just stack the odds in your favor. Do what's going to make what's going to be confident for you, and uh, you only have to try and figure it out. You only have to be right once. Yeah, and the one thing I, I I've said recently thing. is like, <laughs> if you look at it like this, is like the more time I spend in a tree brings me closer to the time I kill the deer. Like the you know like the more it's going to happen at some point. It might be in two years, but you're whittling away the time until, until it happens. Yeah. Well, so you're getting closer. It's not very often that any of us sitting here have gone in the woods and killed a, a buck within the first half hour, except for Bo last year. Yeah, that was but, an hour and a half. Okay, yeah. hour and a half. But, I mean, that's a rare occasion. I mean, I, I'd be interested to know, I mean, how many hours you put into the season, how many you put into the season. On a normal season, you add them up. I mean – I know I've sat, you know, twenty one, twenty two days without. You know, yeah, you just, just got to put your time in, and uh, you only got to be right once. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think there's no, there's no shortcut to it, and like, you know, I, I've heard, oh, you know, I, I don't have this time and stuff. Well, sometimes if you don't have the time, that's gonna be at your fault. Like, there's, there's not, there's not a, there's no you know, way I can say to you, Mason, okay, you have three days of hunt. Oh, this is what you're going to do to be successful. Sometimes it takes longer than that. Like there's no, and you know, you're hunting big woods, you're hunting low deer density. Like that's just what it's going to be there. Sometimes it takes that time, but it takes, you know, taking advantage of all that time. The standpoint of like, again, I've interviewed hundreds of people on this podcast and the people that are most successful, whether it's whitetail, mule deer, elk, are the ones that waited out to the very end. The last time that bell rings, they're hunting till that point. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it happens in that last minute. But like you said, at any point, you could be sitting there. I've had it where I'm sitting there at noon, half days and off. 2017, I remember I was like, I kept looking at my phone. You know, you set goals like throughout the day of like things like, I'm going to eat a snack at 11 or I'm going to do this just to get you through the day. And I remember I was like, I was like, at noon, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get down and I'm gonna check that camera that's right in front of me here that I didn't check on the way in, and I'm looking. I'm 11:57, you know, 11:58. Here comes the the buck in, and I end up killing him yeah. uh, right there. And it's like things can happen at any moment, yep. so you just gotta be there and you gotta be ready. So anytime, now whether whether you have 20 days to spend out there or whether you have three, you need to make the most of that time in my opinion to uh yeah to to do that the more time you spend the better that you they have so i always tell myself like what you said like i'm staying till 11 o'clock because there's times in the past so i'm gonna stay to 11 and at like 10 45 you get down on a deer runs so i'm like i'm not doing it so like long ago i told myself so i gotta like today i had to get down at 10 30 i had phone calls to make it 11 and it's like 10 27 i'm like nope I'm, I'm, I need to wait it. <laughs> and then if I do get down and jump a deer, it's like, well, I made that decision. I planned to get down at that time for whatever reasons, you know, but yeah, you know, there's times in a, when I was younger, it's like, Oh, I seen on, I get down and here goes deer. I'm like, oh. I, I, I like your strategy as far as, uh, when you go into a stand site where you have a camera, don't pull the card before you climb up. Yeah. Cause if you pull the card and you climb up there and, you don't have nothing good on it because they were skirting. Maybe they were skirting the yeah. camera. 
it's all mental confidence it, it, shot it take, yeah if you set the goal and i i do that a lot as you do to where okay 11 o'clock or noon i'm gonna get down i'm gonna pull that card i'm gonna climb back in the tree before i even look at it mm-hmm. so that i'm back in that tree and it you gives me another stay. half hour even yeah. an hour if there isn't anything on the card where i stay a little longer yet um but yeah, you, you got to play that mental game. You got to you got to beat your you got to beat your mind. Yeah, you got yeah you got to play yourself. And you know, I I remember talking about staying longer. Last thing I'll say is I remember when I come home from college when you used to let me hunt your tree stands. When you were like, go to the spot. You're like, sit till eleven thirty. I'm like, hmm. oh, it's like nine thirty. I'm like, one time I'm like climbing down. I'm like slowly getting down. I'm halfway down the ladder. Here comes a 10 point And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I get down. I grab my bow. And I'm thinking I could do it. I think I was using your bow even. I was using my own bow. I went to draw back. I pulled the knock right out of the arrow because I had my finger wrapped around it because it was like before the, you know, full capture type things. I was like squeezing so hard. I pulled the knock right out of the arrow. And the arrow was like dangling there. I'm at full draw. And thought about just dry firing it. And I was just like, what do I do? You know, putting it down. And I never got a shot. And he went off. And then. Next time, next weekend, I'm home again. I'm back up there. I sat till 10. Not old, not when he told me to. S- similar, I can't remember if I bl- if something blew at me or whatever, but it was a, a scenario along those lines. And I'm like, now it's like, I, I, I tried to sit all day. But like, if I'm going to have a goal, like you, I like yeah. what you said. Like, I even did that the other morning when it wasn't even as critical, wasn't during the rut. But it was like, I had a goal of 1030. Like, that's when I was going to get out because... I actually, I had a podcast at noon, so I was like, I had to make some. T- I was like, I think I can get my everything tore down in that time frame. But as soon as it hit that dot, that's when I was going. I yep, wasn't getting yep. out at ten twenty five. I wasn't because I'd be mad at myself forever if I, you know, something happened. But all right, well, we've been going for an hour and fifty eight minutes. Whoa! So it's a lot of hot air. It's coming out of your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, this is a good episode here. So thanks guys for coming on. Hopefully this helps all of you out during the rut. I think the mental game is the biggest thing as, as we've all kind of discussed here. Um, have faith in your spots. A lot of times you'll, a lot of times, you know, where, where's a good spot, you know, what sign looks like, you know, what, what kind of deer will be traveling through. Just give it time and send it, it, send it. Send narrow through the pump house, right, John? That's it, man. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.